Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I've got some questions. I've got some questions for you. You got some questions. (laughs) You've you've seen what I've been up to, and you have questions. (laughs) Yeah. Oh boy, that's the way it always is. Yeah. Right. Let me see here. (laughs) I just gave Josh the first volume of uh, Killer Be Killed. Oh man. I know. Oh, that's so awesome. He does not read comics, but I feel like that is a really good yes. gateway drug. Comic. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Did you ever finish the fade out? I know you're busy and whatnot. Like, no. Oh, I, I just read like the first volume of that one. I got to get okay. back to it. Uh, it's yeah. so good. Yeah, it's so good. The fade out. Mm-hmm. That's your favorite of his, right? I think so. Yeah, it's yeah. like the quintessential noir mm. murder mystery. It's the most brew baker. It's the most the exactly. It is the he most. He brewed it and baked he brewed it and he baked it. Hell yeah! And then he broiled it. <laughs> that shit was broiled. Son. Broiled. Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. So here's the question for you. I actually put this to the gram last oh, week. Nice. Yeah, and I got a few responses. It was pretty cool. So what would you say is the most memorable TV intro credit sequence? Ooh, I mean, I feel like The Sopranos really set down the mold and that one has such a like pavlovian response for me i've talked about it before how it's like anytime i see hbo original programming and that static pops up i just think i'm about to hear like that boom and woke up this morning you know start um but huh the most iconic hmm it's weird the one that really sticks in my mind is uh Dexter. Real? Oh, yeah, you did like that one, I remember. Mm-hmm. It's just full of, like, these amazing visual gags, and it's really beautifully shot. The music and the tone of it is just perfect. Because, like, honestly, so many times now I feel like 
the elaborate intro credit sequence is something that's just sort of designed to be skipped. They have the yeah. skip intro button now. So it's like, I, I, I'm not surprised when shows don't even bother when they mm-hmm. just do like a title card and, mm-hmm. and jump in, sort of preserve their editing rhythms that way a little bit more. Yeah. But yeah, like of the ones where it's like a two minute long sequence unto itself with credits, that, that stands out. Really? Okay. And you and yeah. I have talked what about, about that before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just remember I was talking about the Dexter opening yeah. credit sequence and wishing that uh was it the avalanche's frontier psychiatrist yeah had been that that would have been perfect yes oh what a uh, great song great what song. a perfect song for that i know yeah mm. yeah so on my end there's two that come to mind one is hannibal which is just all of the blood collecting into you know a person's body essentially like yeah it's a weird thing where there's just like blood spilling everywhere but you can't really tell where it's coming from and then it all collects onto like you can't see the body the person's you yeah you just see, see like the, the outline shape. the shape of the yeah. body yeah that the one is, is so the music is really what oh, gets it for me on that God. one yeah, yeah it's unsettling and then i'd say the other is i mean true detective was a pretty oh, that one you can't yeah. you can't pass that up yeah. Which one though? Which season? It's number one. Yeah, it's number yeah. one without a doubt. Yeah, season one intro credits, mm-hmm. just unbelievable. Yep, so fire. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that about the music. I, I think that is such a key element. Like, it's funny. Succession, for example. Oh I yeah, that's a banger theme the opening song. Credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last time we did an Are You Current, I had not caught up on succession at all and now i am so deep in it i am breathlessly awaiting season four but um the funny thing about it is like i actually think the visual component of the succession opening credits is kind of weak i think it's fairly Mm. like uninspired Mm -hmm. for how not not that it's bad but just compared to how amazing the show is the the intro visuals are like whatever but the music is so good okay and it's like if you have a really like banger opening theme or song choice eh, visual can kind of be whatever okay okay you know so this is what i feel about successions opening credit sequence which is the shots of the city i don't care right give me all of the grainy found footage of those four Mm. kids with their faceless father hanging out in their compound and we're set. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There is enough tragedy to be found in in that uh, opening credit sequence, I think. Yeah, they're they're bad vibes all Mm -hmm, over that mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, that thing is cursed. That's a cursed opening credit sequence. As it should be. Yep. Sometimes they have this incredibly elaborate, awesome opening credits for a show that's just like, okay, like True Blood has such an amazing opening credits sequence for a show I'm not really a fan of that fell off pretty drastically. Yeah. And then um, another one is uh, Carnival, which has the most amazing looking opening credits ever. And... (laughs) That sequence was much better thought out than the whole show. Really. <laughs> the actual show? Yeah. We skipped Mad Men, right? That's an iconic credit sequence. It is. I mean, I like the song. Again, the music kind of carries it. The visual on that, though, mm-hmm. I mean... Oh, you're not a fan. I, I, it's so basic. I mean, I feel like that's that particular sort of animation style and sequence is something that just about anyone could have thrown together even at that time. Okay, fair, but I like the... 
I just like the imagery of this man tumbling from a skyscraper, which I think is very evocative of a uh, Draper. Basically, it is. It's a it's a great idea for it. I think it's more the execution on that one. Fair. It looks. It's such like digital cutout animation sort of a it look. is i wish it looked like a saul bass two-dimensional animated thing you would see from the 60s you know okay it feels out of time but not in a pointed way more in a lazy way to me but you know that's just me that's funny dude oh man oh you're really into this yeah you're i'm hooked. just like okay. is that is that one of the weakest opening credits honestly to one of the greatest shows ever no, I'll tell you which one is. Which one? It's Breaking Bad. Well, Breaking Bad doesn't really have one. They just do I, well, title. It's just the little like title yeah. with like the weird like twingy guitar. Yeah, yeah. I don't like it. I, the music's fine, but like, nah, it does nothing for me. Yeah, it doesn't get you pumped at all beyond like, this Not is really. the start of the mm-hmm. show. Yeah, and that like yellow vapor. Yep. You know, <laughs> scary toxic meth smoke popping across the screen. It feels like it was just made up by like a completely different team, and they're like, Some, it's fine. "Yeah, someone made that on like yeah, MS Paint." <laughs> MS Paint. It's just like a BMP file. Good old bitmap. Why is this file so huge and has no detail to it at all? That's I can count so the pixels. Pixelated. I know. And yet it just filled up my entire hard drive. What the fuck? Society has come a long way. Yeah. Right. Anyway, sorry, sorry. I know. All right, you're no, 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 no. We're doing with it. No, all right. Do you want the NPR version this time? I love the NPR version. It's good. Okay, here we go. Let me see if I can do it. Puts me in a good mood. Yeah, I'm just sip my coffee here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Goat Season. We are so happy to have you with us. This is a podcast about the greatest individual seasons of television of all time, their most memorable episodes, and their creative teams both in front of and behind the camera. I'm Phil Mitchell, and along with me is my co-host, Mr. Alex Sinesi. I don't know, man. I don't know if that was the NPR version. I think you made it a little too sexy, honestly. Oh, is that what you... Oh, okay. All right, then. Well... I was expecting, like, Ira Glass. I was expecting droning, but no, that was... No, 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 no. kind of no, had no, this, like, no, feathery lilt on no, it, man. I don't no. know. I don't know. Glass, no, no, no. Glass can... <laughs> glass can kiss my ass. Um, oh, damn. Yeah, I just... Damn. I cannot with that... Shots I can't with that guy's tired. voice, man. Anyway. <laughs> it's not his fault. About? I mean, it, we have to be Is real. it, though? I don't know. <laughs> what, do you think he sounds like Jello Biafra when he's not recording? Come on, man. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't put that shit on. His voice makes my teeth itch. At the same um, uh, yeah, I feel like, <laughs> uh, yeah, At the same time, he does, you know, he was like, oh, this will be the perfect radio voice that will put onto all of these shows. He could have hired somebody Absolutely. else to do it. He could have. And you know what? He He's pretty good at his job, so I got to give him some props. There you go. No hate. No yeah, hate yeah. on my part. Yeah. Cool. Today is a special day. Today is a special day on Goat Season. This is the second installment of one of our favorite segments called Are You Current? Yes. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's just us talking about the shows that we're enjoying right now, what we're into, and then also hearing back from you all about the shows that you're watching and what it is that you like. So here we go. It's just a little palate cleanser. It's like that pickled ginger after some Mm. delicious sushi, you know, and just, just clear out that palate, give you a nice fresh feeling and uh you know also just like a chance for us to bullshit about tv we're watching that we're not going to cover on the podcast anytime exactly soon. because exactly uh, we're compiling a list here of future goat season miniseries and 
It immediately had me in a, um, uh, 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 fuck, metaphysical, what's the word? Existential? Existential, thank you. Yes, yes. It yes. immediately had me in an existential crisis because I realized I am going to expire before we cover all of the shows that I want to. We have such yeah, when a you list. Said that, yes, when you sent that, that document to me and it had the list of all of these shows, yeah. I was like, I might be 80. <laughs> Right. Before we end up finishing this. And that was the roughest of drafts. Like, that I was know. me picking just the obvious stuff. I know. We're, we're in, in trouble, trouble, man. Yeah, yeah we're in deep we know. trouble. We know. We're in deep. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Should we just start with the show that we both want to talk yes, about? Yes, we need to talk about Yellow Jackets. But yes. Yes, yes. It's Yellow Jackets. I mean, we didn't get to talk about this last time. It came out last year. And it finished this year, and it wasn't even really on my radar up until maybe within like the last six weeks or so. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. You look like you're about to say something. Oh, no, I was just going to say like, so there's this weird thing. I have this app. It's called Just Watch It that is super helpful for all of our listeners out there. I can't recommend it enough. Basically, what it is, is it's an indexing system that you log on and you can see where any TV show or movie is playing on any of the streaming networks. Oh, nice. It's so great. You know, you just Mm -hmm. search anything you want, or you can search by streaming app and look up the most popular things, the most watched things, anything like that. And among, like, a bunch of huge shows, stuff like Yellowstone, that everybody's aunt on Earth is watching right now. Oh, yeah. Yellow Jackets was at the top of the most popular TV shows streamed for a while. I remember seeing that and just being like, this came out of nowhere and has a bunch of heat on it. I saw a bunch of articles popping up. People, honestly, very like lost season one vibes of people being like, what, what is going Dude. on? What are the theories? Who is who? Who yes. is dead? Who is alive? What's going on here? Yeah. I am so glad that we started watching this while we're doing yes. Lost because yes. I think I texted you and I said like, there is so much overlap between these two shows. It's And I kind of said to you, yes, it's nuts. And I remember saying, I think this show takes what Lost initially presented and does it better you have some quibble with that you did you threw that gauntlet down I and did, that's what yeah. i've kind of been like no save it save it because <laughs> we're in the middle of presenting our goat season case for right. lost season one and so to come in and be like yo i just saw this plane crash show that totally went up to them is it's just it's tough it's a tough beat for a lost to have to walk it's it's tough in general it's so funny that these two things happened at the exact same time. I mean, I don't know. We'll we'll get into it. I Yeah. But yeah, like this is why we're planning on doing an Are You Current anyway, but then it became mandatory, essential, when it's like yes. we're in the middle of our Lost miniseries and we have another plane crash show that we're just dying to talk about. So this is basically the Yellow Jackets corner this episode. <laughs> yeah. So what? Like Yellow Jackets is created by Ashley Lyle, Bart Nickerson. Um, I don't particularly know either of them from any like previous shows or anything like that. Either. Are you aware of them? Okay. What a crazy, wonderful tell. It's been probably one of my favorite viewing experiences of the year thus far it's a great show about a girls soccer team that is on their way to finals and their plane crashes in the middle of the wilderness they have no idea where they are Mm -hmm. and all types of 
craziness ensues, right? Yeah, it's a really fun twist on an old chestnut of a survival story, which is soccer team crashes in the mountains and they eat each other. Only in this case, it's uh, a little more orderly than that. It's not just, right. uh, hey, we got to survive. We're going to eat one or two people who seem like they're not going to make it. No, no, it's like... What we're doing with our free time is eating people, you know? Exactly. We have created a religion. Yes. And part of this religion is we are going to eat each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. It's fucking awesome. It has the most wonderful 90s grunge aesthetics because the flashback storyline, the survival part of the storyline, before we jump to the characters in the present day having, you know, been through all this trauma is set in the 1990s and you get all these great vintage looks. The soundtrack is fucking fantastic. They really did an awesome job not picking the most obvious stuff, but picking stuff that if you were growing up in the 90s is intensely familiar to you. They kick off the pilot with a Smashing Pumpkins song, which... I fucking love because, you know, that's not a band that gets a lot of love from people who didn't survive the 90s, you know? That's so true. It's taking it that's... back. It's taking it back. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I was looking up Lyle and Nickerson. Their big credit pre-Yellow Jackets was they were in the writer's room on Narcos, which is such a mm, different It's a thing. different show. Yeah. They got brought into that, and then that show was such a big success, and they were able to be like, yeah, we're just going to go off and do our own completely new thing. And they just had this irresistible hook of an idea. So yeah. I think that was that was most of it. Yeah. They brought this show around to a lot of different networks before Showtime. A lot of networks passed on really? this thing. Okay, which, okay. Uh, you know, it's fascinating in retrospect. It's funny how that happens, yeah. right? I feel like this happens quite often. Like there's mm-hmm. a show that is out there and it gets passed on by multiple studios And then someone picks it up, like HBO picking up The Sopranos, and then boom, it's like one of the best things ever. Yeah, or AMC picking up Mad Men to speak on Mm -hmm. that again, which you know Mm -hmm. HBO famously passed on despite having the relationship with Matthew Weiner. Yeah, and HBO passed on Yellow Jackets, but the one that I haven't heard, but that I strongly suspect they were going for is, I bet that Netflix passed on Yellow Jackets. And the reason I do is because... The season very much has the Netflix formula of the first episode being a lot of table setting and then the second episode being this absolute banger that just pins you to your seat that's like so full of insane shit and you're breathless by the end of it and you cannot wait to dive into the rest of the season. And that is totally the Netflix gaming the algorithm theory of if you watch three episodes you'll watch the whole season and i swear they they constructed it specifically to try and get their attention i mean the second episode was incredible right the second episode is the one that hooked me yeah it's the one that hooked me yep i like the pilot a lot but that second episode i was like oh shit oh yeah it's great that second episode yeah i think i texted you when two of the characters abandon their friend, their teammate, and you know, a burning plane. Yes. Only oh. for that person to survive. Crawl I thought, out a okay. Later. Yeah, crawl out a minute later. And I was like, yep, this is the show. This is the show. It yep. does such a good job with teenage girl dynamics and how fraught those are. And then if you just combine a little bit of genuine peril with them, it becomes <laughs> so much more extreme. And it also, really like, is. Episode two is the one where Misty really gets fleshed out and comes to the forefront. 
I mean, she's incredible. She's my favorite character on the show. I think she's yeah. just this amazing creation, this pretty original character, this like sadistic but very cheerful and perky girl who has kind of a nursing fetish tied up yeah. in her sadism. That is that is something pretty new. That is something mm-hmm. I've not seen I've recently not seen that. anyway, and especially nope, in nope. this kind of a genre context. Ultimately and alternately, fairly warm at the same time. Like there are moments when this character is truly disturbing and unhinged. And then there's times where you're like, oh, this person does seem to care about the people that she's around in her own twisted way. It is very much like a Logan Roy cares for his kids type of thing, (laughs) right? Well, but she's so sweet. And I think part of that is tied up in her sort of loneliness and neediness and desperation to be just noticed or then liked and so she presents herself as being this this incredibly warm sweet friendly presence but it's like you can't trust her for one second trust her nope not at all she's gonna rip the spark plugs out of your car so she can come on your road trip oh like we might as well just talk about the actresses i mean i think those are like i can't remember a television show that's boasted this many good performances from the leads yeah and not just i would say from the adult version like the adult versions of the characters great performances from all four of those women yeah i, I just i loved Melanie it Linsky, juliette lewis christina ricci playing the aforementioned misty mm-hmm. who's, uh, the standout for me and um oh gosh, tawny cypress Isa. tawny cypress yeah yeah she's very good incredible well. yes Oof. yeah And uh, I think their younger counterparts are all good, too. A lot of new faces on that side. Uh, The one actress they got who I've been watching, who I I think is just really talented and poised to break out, is um, the girl playing the younger version of Juliette Lewis, Sophie Thatcher. Sophie Thatcher. Okay, yeah. She was in this movie called Prospect with Pedro Pascal. It was like a very low-budget sci-fi movie that Netflix picked up that is really fucking good, and she was great in that. So, okay. yeah. But, I mean, honestly, all of the young actresses in the flashback are great. Uh, yeah. The young Misty uh, is great. Young, young Misty's great. Is awesome. I mean, they're... Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. what's the, what's the redhead girl's name? Uh, Liv Hewson. Yes. Um, who, I think we're talking about Van, Vanessa. Van, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Like, I had, had not seen her in anything before, and then she just, like, popped into this show, and I was like, every scene she is in, she is convinced, there is nothing false about her portrayal at all. Yeah, and she's just, uh, her character is such a raw nerve. You really feel for her all the time. And she, all the time. And she engages your sympathy constantly in, in a really impressive way. But uh, that's kind of the fun of the show, too, is she's a character who we've only seen in the past, but it's not confirmed if she's who dead or called? alive in the present. Right. So she could pop up. And that immediately gets this whole rumor mill started on the internet. Of yes. What actress who was famous for being you know an ingenue in the 90s is gonna play her in mm-hmm. the modern day which mm-hmm. is a really fun guessing game that just pops did you up. have any did, did we talk you threw out what name did you I mean, throw? i think Barrymore you threw out is the person drew barrymore okay that's what you said i said claire danes claire danes oh yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. she'd be great too for yep. sure yeah. I couldn't really think if we thought of anybody else. But yeah, those two are definitely um, at the top of my list. And we were trying to figure out who is going to play Lottie in the present, too. Oh, yeah. That's a tough one. That is a tricky one, for sure. That's a very tricky one. 
here's my here's my thing about Yellow Jackets, which early in the season is incredible. I think episodes seven, eight, and nine also are like really, really strong. Mm-hmm. I thought it kind of slowed down in the middle, and I thought there was a point where the characters didn't quite know what to do yet. I felt like Melanie Linsky and Tawny Cypress, both their characters kind of had like a long stretch where they weren't doing a lot. They were so positioned as the leads, mm-hmm. whereas I think Misty, who's such a dynamic character, is also definitely more of a supporting character. So she can kind of be off doing her own crazy shit. But the characters who were in the leads, it was kind of like, what's what's going on with them right now? You know, and yeah. they, they figured out more for them as the season went on. I guess my thing is I was so taken with Misty as a character. Of course you were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck you up, were. Dude. Come on. I mean, there's nothing to do with Christina Ricci. Who, you know, yeah. It's just mm, a perma crush at this right. point. But oh, like, God. setting that aside, I thought her character was so intriguing. And I, I wish that the other characters were just a little bit more heightened to her level. And I think they got there later in the season. But it they took a did. while. You they know? did. And see, this is the this is what I think, which is Shauna Linsky's yeah. character yeah. at the outset, the only thing that is tense, the only thing and the only thing that is tense for that character outside of the fact that they're all being sort of like pulled back into this mysterious sort of like web is the fact that she's having an affair, right? Like that's the most t- like that's the most tension that she's got in her life at that point. And it it may not ring as, you know, um heavily. It may not ring out for people as loudly as other as it does for other people, um as for other viewers. And then the thing with Thaisa is that I thought it was interesting that you couldn't really tell if she is either traumatized or is suffering from like a genetic predisposition to mental illness, which or and I mean now that or a both. possession by some or, sort or of, a possession of something know, else, woodland spirit, yeah, right. Okay, so it's definitely the. I was kind of like, okay, what's going on with the first two? And yeah. then you and I talked about how there's a scene where one character who suffers from mental illness sees a mm-hmm. younger Thaisa yeah. oh. engaging in like the most strange behavior. Right. And I couldn't, and see, that's the thing. Like if it had been convincing off the bat that if you knew that that, people had seen it if other people had time. seen it, then I would have said, okay, this is way more interesting right off the bat. But at first I thought that was not real. That's true. They were, they were playing a long game. They and were playing a long game with her. We've talked about how in opposition to Lost, which I think in retrospect was stacking up so many mysteries so many sort of like wild metaphysical swings that it couldn't possibly shade in in a satisfying way later yellow jackets has a small number of mysteries and you can see how the show could answer all of its mysteries fairly easily and continue to be compelling after that Mm -hmm. which is such a a key distinction i just think the strength of lost that yellow jackets illuminated for me was just that lost even if it didn't implement its characters super well lost has such a deep bench of amazing characters whereas i feel like yellow jackets it was more like their concentration on characters to make them really amazing and exciting and give those actors big moments was it was a little more like all right we're putting a lot of attention on you and then a lot of attention on you and then wait we forgot about these characters we had to come back Mm -hmm. and make them interesting Mm -hmm. it's not like where you have 
Locke and Hurley and then Sawyer and then Sun and Jin and the list goes on and on and and they keep adding more and more dynamic characters across the whole series. With Yellow Jackets, I feel like we started with, you know, Misty is awesome and Natalie is a character you know is going to do exciting stuff and and then the others it's like what's what's going on and then by the yeah. end they kind of flesh them out yeah yeah anyway it's great uh the it's vibes a great so television good. show it's oh they are gory it's weird oh. it's about female friendship in <laughs> the most trying of times it's really funny at times i mean it's I think hilarious about it's a great misty snorts all of that coke <laughs> to save her friend it's so good it's so fucking good. Laughed out loud oh, when that happened. God. Yeah. Yeah. What a great show. And it's a wonderful, heartwarming, beautiful story about the strength of female sexuality. Yes. Yes. And how dangerous that can be when it's in a concentrative form. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Don't need yeah. any of that stew. You're going to get mounted in a few ways. Mounted as in, like, displayed like a fucking deer in a cabin. I can't wait for shit to get really gnarly. Oh, boy, A, a lot yeah. of stuff hasn't happened yet. And I know. It's, it's exciting to think how out of control things are going to get as we move further in. I remember reading that this show it might be planned out for five seasons, but I honestly hope it's only three. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I I feel you because my main concern is that the flashbacks are so interesting right now, Mm -hmm. but that eventually they're going to run out of road with them. And it's like, will the present storyline be able to fully pick up that baton? And hopefully the flashbacks won't continue on, but be like dead weight kind of right once they resolve themselves sort of. So we'll see. But yeah, I think season two has potential for goat status i really do i think season one was very very good but i Mm -hmm. think if season two hits the ground running with all of the work that they've done so far we we could really be looking at a goat we really absolutely yeah absolutely or it could start to collapse under its own weight it's tough i think it really (laughs) it kind of could go one way or the other but like this was such a strong season that it'll it'll be one of those two i think I am hoping that given there is already thought about what seasons two or three or four might look like, that things hold up. That's all I'm hoping for. Yeah. Yeah. It feels very well thought out. It really Mm -hmm. does. It's funny. We're talking about this right after loss, but we're like, I "I think I trust them this time. I think (laughs) I trust that the writers have it all planned out. Like, have you learned nothing, Sinesi? Have you learned nothing from your experiences? Oh, man. Don't Uh, do this to me. But, you know, I'll say, too, the cast is so fucking good. Even when I wished the characters had a little more to do in the present storyline, I mean, everybody is fucking awesome on this show yeah, man wow. i agree it's really good definitely more to say about it, or do you want to talk about what it is that you're watching dude we we didn't talk about the yellow jackets opening credits at all we just got to talk about i know movies. okay Seriously. we didn't talk about them yeah they're amazing right oh they are so gnarly they make dude. me uncomfortable the way they mix in the vhs camcorder footage the grime of like a 90s music video you've Mm -hmm. got people vomiting and you've got like writhing insects Mm -hmm. and you've got just like all of this wild shit thrown together with these really stark close-ups of the actors yeah and and uh, footage of you know just like teenage girls looking completely innocent and wholesome 
and also like disaffected, disaffected and like they don't yeah. give a fuck mm-hmm. it's it's and everything in between and uh all this static and just those those grunge aesthetics are so strong i love it so fucking much the music that goes with it is the perfect like combination of both like snotty and menacing it's it's great it it's so dope i thought that the opening credits song which i think is called no return I thought that that was an actual song, and I didn't realize that they had written that song specifically for the intro credits. Yeah, that they composed it just for that. That is really cool. It is pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I wish they had done is I wish that the actors' names, as they're credited, were actually in the VHS timecode font. Oh, yeah. That would be pretty cool. That would have been nice. But yeah, it's a it's an awesome sequence, and it it just always gets me in the exact headspace. Oh yeah. For uh, you know that show, it really. You just really know is. it's going to be gnarly, you know? Oh, God. Yeah. 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 Man, oh, man. What a great show. I, I just watched the first two episodes with Josh and Maria again, and man, do they hold up. They might even be better when you revisit Oh, them, yeah, I think more. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you, so did you get them hooked on that? Because I got a friend hooked on Yellow. Yeah, I've yeah, got, I've got yeah. multiple friends hooked on this show. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> oh, boy. Spreading the sickness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can't just be <laughs> awesome. me. Awesome. Oh. Hell yeah. All right. All right, I think cool. That's good. Yeah. I think, I think we we got it. Covered it. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, you sure. Good? I love it. Yeah, yeah, I will talk about that show all day. But yeah, I, I realize we got <laughs> yeah, other ones that we got to cover. I know. I know we really uh, could. We could do like 10 episodes on it right now. <laughs> Just I'll, I'll ask this. What's your favorite episode of oh, the first season? I th- Ooh, Wow. So I would say probably, I can't pick it, but if I had to choose, it's going to come from this batch. Episode yeah. two, yeah. episode seven hit me pretty hard. And I remember that's the one where you find out the, who the tree woman is. Mm-hmm. And that one changed everything that I thought about the show. And it changed how I felt about the characters, yeah. um, particularly the young, the young boy who's in like the current timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember thinking, oh, he's not, you know, Damien. He's just this really... He's traumatized. He's traumatized so as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think maybe it's between two and seven. And then like eight, nine, and ten, oh, I think is eight. Eight is also pretty good. Eight might be my yeah. favorite. And it's yes. like eight is not one of the more important episodes, but it's mm-hmm. so well directed. Oh, my God. That's the episode that does uh, Laura Lee's whole backstory. Mm-hmm. And just, like, oh. from the start, that first scene is incredible. That that episode just has so many amazing 
performance moments from all the yeah. characters. Like Juliette Lewis has this freak out in it that is so good. And it's just oh, that's right. kind of like what I was talking about before, where it's like a really strong director comes in and everybody gets moments to shine. It's like suddenly everybody is allowed to like go to 11 with their performances where maybe before, you know, it was, it felt a little more selective and some people weren't getting their chances. And then, I mean, but that being said, episode nine also, also really good. Amazing. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's where shit really starts to really goes down. Oh yes. Things Mm -hmm. get really hallucinatory and the show did not disappoint at all. We knew that that stuff was coming and yet when it hit, it still hit so hard. It still hits. Oof. Watch that show, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> if you've got nothing better to do, watch that show. And if you do have something better to do, watch no, that show. No, fuck that. You don't. You think you do, but you don't. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, you should be watching you're that Right, show. exactly. There you go. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Um, so there's two shows. Mm-hmm. Well, technically, there's three. Yeah. So I'll run down, run it down really quickly. So I only, I'm not technically current on this show. Okay. Again, I'm always behind. I'm always a few weeks behind on the culture. But I watched the first or second episode of Netflix's Murderville, oh, yeah. which is a very, I, I thought it was an interesting concept. I'm not a fan of improv, but I thought it was really, I thought the, the conception behind it pretty interesting, which is just to simply take, you know, well-known actors, um, celebrities, just people who are well-known in the culture, put them into slightly scripted stories, but then also challenge them to perform improv within that uh, sort of structure Um, And so I watched the episode with Conan O'Brien. So anyway, yeah, the the show Murderville is a comedy with Will Arnett as I believe the character, um, the name is Terry Seattle. And so he's just this very typical hard-nosed detective who's really stupid, very eccentric, and he gets paired with a new partner every episode. So Conan is his partner during the first episode, and I believe Marshawn Lynch is his partner during the second or third, I believe. Um, And the whole thing is just that the partner, the trainee, has to solve the crime, has to solve the mystery. Yes. It's it's fun. It's a good concept. It's it's fairly fun, yeah. Yeah. And just like watching, like, say, Conan O'Brien vacillate between performing really, really well, like throwing in some great improv moments, and then also watching Will Arnett push him to the extent that he breaks during the middle of a scene is quite oh, funny. It's quite hilarious. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's well done. I haven't watched any of the other episodes thus far, but the yeah, the, it, it's a strong start. Um, so I have enjoyed that. Yeah, it's funny how right now we have all of these gigantic comedy ensemble shows. What's this other big one that just came out? I'm trying to think. There's this comedy show that has literally fucking everyone in it. And it kind of feels Mm. like we have all of these comedy refugees where they're like, all right, comedy movies are just not happening right now. So let's form all of these super groups. Is it the after party? The after party. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I've heard that show is not very funny at all, unfortunately. Interesting. Because it's got Sam Richardson on it. But like. And Ben Schwartz. Yeah. 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 And Tiffany Haddish. But um, I don't know. Oh, man. Yeah. Josh and Maria were saying. They watched an episode and just like didn't laugh once, despite it having this insane cast, you know, just totally stacked. And so it is interesting how it seems like all of these next wave comedy people are teaming up and they're able to get on these streaming shows where it's just like, you know, you have unlimited resources, unlimited talent pool, and uh, they're trying to make something happen. Yeah. 
So that's enjoyable. And then I'm also just plugging my way through Ozark. And this is season four, I want to say. So yeah, it's again, Jason Bateman, Laura Linney, who is completely off the rails this season. Nice. Yeah, nice. she just like, they just keep taking this character, keep taking this. And I think it's almost as though the writers of the show knew how much viewers hated Skylar White mm. and knew that like yeah. at the end of the day, Skylar White hadn't really done anything wrong. Right. Whereas they took this character, Wendy, Wendy Bird, and just have made her intolerable, I would say. And Lenny is just like reveling in it. She's just yeah. like bathing and being like, and it's more fun being a villain. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is because you don't know what to expect from her. Right. Bateman is trying to play like the straight guy, trying to you know his best to keep family together, and he's got his wife to deal with, um, who is just like making things difficult for him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so fun to watch. Yeah. It's so fun to watch. And you've got Julia Garner. She's great. Incredible. She's wonderful. Great performance. Yeah, I, this show at. So they're releasing it similarly to a lot of other um, well-known shows. So they're doing it, you know, part A, part B, part one, part two. So I think there's seven episodes. Doing the Breaking the, Bad formula. They are, all the way to yeah, the end. all the way to the end. It's all good, though. We all it like is. Ozark. Like, Ozark's that thing where it's like, yeah, super indebted to Breaking Bad. Everybody knows that. But also, it's good, and it totally deserves to exist. You know, Why Absolutely. Not? Yeah. It's a quality television show. I have really nothing to, like, gripe about when it comes to watching this. I love yeah, it. It is. I, I am not current. I've only seen the first two seasons. I got to get caught up and get into those new episodes, man, because uh, people yeah. are talking about them again. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do miss that show. Really well-directed. Bateman, yes. Bateman's become an amazing director. He's great. After directing a bunch of that show, he jumped over and he did the first two episodes of that HBO show, uh, The Outsider. And his episodes oh, that's were right. mm-hmm. the standouts, directing-wise. Really, really strong work. He's got the chops. Yeah. Speaking of HBO, the other show that I'm watching and staying current with is Euphoria. Oh, you right? Like Everyone is watching it. I know. I mean, like, let me just, I, I said this last time. I watched last night's episode, and I'm just going to say it again. We might as well just go ahead and give Zendaya the Oscar. Just give her <laughs> Best Actress right now. Give her the Oscar. Like, give never her mind the, the Os- Emmys. Knock those Emmys down in the dirt on exactly. your way to handing yeah. her just the Oscar. Just give this woman the Oscar right now because we already know she is eventually going to win one. She rules. It would be impossible. Yes. It, yeah. There's no way she can't win one. The show itself, like, yeah, it. I'm really watching the show just for the uh, the directing, the cinematography. It's just very sumptuous. It is inventive. It's different. It's something that you're not going to be seeing on TV regularly. Clearly, I mean, I think the script. And it's not even really the script or the writing. I just think it's it's a little improbable, very improbable. It's the writing, dude. That these the that yeah, it's the writing the that these teenagers are yeah. even like approaching something as insightful as what's on this show. I just don't believe it. But still, just the directing, the visuals are fantastic, and that's pretty much what I'm there for. And it's funny, because mm-hmm. I think I didn't hear nearly as many complaints about the writing on season one. But then, in between season one and season two, Sam Levinson put out Malcolm and Marie with Zendaya, oh, which yeah. was hated which everyone was. was like this is intolerable this is so bad and now people are coming back to season two and i'm hearing a lot more people be like wait wait the writing on this show is actually bad so i think it's funny that 
you sort of like going in kind of knowing that have been like, oh yeah, you know, I've been enjoying it the whole way and the performances just continue to be great. Whereas everyone else I feel like is kind of getting this Emperor's New Clothes moment of like, wait, 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 do they not know how to write teenagers on this yeah, show? Yeah, yeah, they totally like, don't. And they don't. And they didn't from the start. Yeah, They didn't from the start. I knew that. I'm just here for like, like give me this music video. Give me this hour-long <laughs> music video with these great images Yeah, and these good performances. Right. I know what teenagers sound like on a day-to-day basis. I don't, yeah, you don't, it is not this. It's not this at all. So I guess the other thing that's weird to me about Euphoria, and it's not really a bad thing in the moment on this show, but the show seems to be kind of conflicted about what its perspective is on all of these young people. It's like, Mm -hmm. on the one hand, it wants to be this cautionary tale about drug use and how that can affect your personal relationships and things, but it doesn't want to be an after-school special and yet at the same time it seems also like it's conflicted about identifying too strongly with these young characters as they're suffering from the substance abuse so it sort of falls into this middle ground where it's like well we have to kind of be fun because like if we don't show that people have fun while they're on drugs then it's it's going to be just disingenuous but at the same time we can't push too far into that because we have to expose how this is actually bad and stuff like that and so it just it ends up being awkward in that way and it's like it's a show that looks really nice even though it's Mm -hmm. kind of chiding these characters and then also you know you got a bunch of dicks and butts and tits and pussy thrown on the screen to like spice things up and make it seem fun and i'm just like does he actually have any thoughts on these characters end of the day or is he just sort of processing his own experiences with substance abuse and grafting it onto younger characters i don't know and I, I think you too. <laughs> I honestly you really do not don't know. know. And you're you don't know most of the way through season two, and it's yeah, still like don't juries know. out. We don't know. Well, what this I would show's say this. I, I will say. I I would say this season it seems to come down more on the side of addiction is bad. Not necessarily that drugs are bad, but that addiction is a terrible, terrible thing, and it will kill everything that you that you love dearly. Any show about a, about drug use again, not addiction. Um, but any show I think about drug use is eventually going to have to toe a, like a kind of a funny line where, yeah, you can't come across. I don't think that you can write and say, yeah, like drug, all drugs are terrible. Like no one's going to believe you right? Um, because there's plenty of people who use, uh, you know, drugs recreationally and are totally fine and live healthy mm-hmm. lives. And then there are people who aren't. I mean, so yeah. I think that's a tricky balance for any show to try and make sense of. And I would not be able to to carry that out. What are you watching? So I've been watching more movies than tv i've been trying to get caught up on my 2021 releases but i have watched a few things speaking of melanie linsky earlier from uh, yellow jackets i just watched this utterly delightful cartoon network mini series that she does a voice in along with elijah wood called over the garden wall which mm. is really really good dude when did this thing come out it came out a while ago i want to say like it came out in 2014 so this oh, was wow, it's been some time, been some time and it's very short. It's just 10, 11 minute long episodes, but it's so cool because within it, they were able to experiment with tone, with atmosphere. The show is genuinely 
creepy in a lot of scenes. There's this incredible episode, the second episode, where the two main characters who basically appear to be like these little lost garden gnomes going through this slightly fantastical sort of agrarian landscape, they come upon this town where all of the people in it are wearing pumpkins as their clothing. They're, they've made like clothing out of like gourds essentially and they're skeletons okay. underneath and they're essentially like dead people like awaiting the harvest where they harvest all of the living people who are still around and all of this stuff is just sort of it's creepy around the edges there's so much like suggestion and there's so many little moments of just like a sound cue or a piece of music that just give you pause with like oh something really off is happening here and there are also moments that are incredibly sweet in it it's just such a good comfort watch it feels like Mm -hmm. fall and you know like pumpkin spices basically and like a warm hearth it's such a good vibe show but i i really enjoyed it and cartoon network has basically never done this again they've basically never done another short custom mini series in this way they tend to just do longer things and i'm like there are all these animators here who clearly want to do other stuff who want to get more experimental with it and they have the budget via this network i would just love to see see more stuff like that happen yeah yeah okay. it's mostly like the um the adventure time creative team who's doing it okay and you definitely feel that show and that shows tone where that show can get a little experimental and then this just took it that much further yeah, so I watched that, and I also caught... I'm current on Raised by Wolves, which has only released the first oh. two episodes of its new season. But man, okay, that show is crazy, dude. That is a is show... It? That show is flexing the most insane budget. It's unbelievable, dude. It looks okay. is it? Oh, okay. so amazing. It's got some really interesting performances, because the two main characters are both androids, but they're both emotional androids, and they also... Essentially, the the main character, her name is Mother, and she's this android who was essentially a death machine who was designed to destroy cities. And she was reprogrammed essentially by a terrorist in one of the cities she was blowing up to instead harbor all of the children of the human race as they colonize a new planet. And so sure she's so dangerous and she's so uh just designed to like kill everyone murder just murder instead she's been given this nurturing role and it's really cool i mean the show is just packed with so many interesting visual ideas lots of stuff that i feel like even sci-fi movies haven't really tackled that much and you're just getting to see it all done with an extremely high budget with just like flawless production values on this week-to-week show. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, right, so, it's weird. It's a weird okay. thing. It's like, I can't believe this exists to some extent. I am interested in that because I heard varying takes on that show, which were that, like, the pilot was great, and then, like, the drop-off from, from there on out was so severe that people were like, don't even bother watching it. Uh, yeah, I mean... It's kind of a lost thing where Mm. the show stacks in a bunch of mysteries and pretty quickly you're like, oh, they don't really know where they're going with a lot of this stuff. There's a lot of stuff that they're probably not going to be able to solve in a Mm -hmm. satisfying manner. So you're more watching it as spectacle TV. But I mean, the first two episodes are directed by Ridley Scott. And I would argue that they are better than 
Prometheus and Alien Covenant probably combined. They're mm, okay. Some of his, I mean, probably his best sci-fi work since Alien and Blade Runner, which isn't wow. saying that much because he doesn't do that much sci-fi. But they're really fucking good. It's such a well-produced show that it's kind of fascinating to watch even when it's not firing on all cylinders because you're just like this show is expansive in a way that few things are right now so yeah so it might it might end up falling more into a game of thrones kind of trap okay i don't know it did it's it started so strong and the characters are interesting i it's uh, i'm with you i'm with you uh, i i definitely noticed the drop off but i was like it's you're still in with it. it You're still, still hanging in, in there. It. Maybe it's just yeah. that it's in my wheelhouse too. You fair. know, that's fair. But yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. The uh, the first episode. It's funny. I- I'm sure Ridley Scott has never watched this show, but the first episode definitely rips off an anime that I really like called Elf and Lead. Mm-hmm. Just in sort of how it constructs a sequence where this extremely powerful female character telekinetically destroys a giant group of people and it's just incredibly gory and unforgiving and insane and you're like holy shit i can't believe this is happening but yeah it's it's definitely lifted from elf and lead by the writers and then they gave it to ridley scott who's like i'm sure never watched an anime voluntarily in his life and you're he right. just rolled with it you know <laughs> and made a really great sequence so i thought awesome. that was funny that's pretty cool yeah it's worth watching those first two episodes at least yeah okay i'll if check you it fall out off after that i i get it Okay. All right. All right. You're selling me on this. Oh, so that's the other weird thing. The first two episodes of season two, right? Mm -hmm. You had Ridley Scott last time, then you had Luke Scott taking over, then a bunch of kind of more like TV good directors, but like HBO, you know, workhorse people. And then season two starts with two episodes directed by Ernest Dickerson. And I was like, that's such an interesting swerve. I mean, they're very well done. They look, Uh they're as well executed as any of the episodes in season one post Ridley Scott. But it's like this guy who was Spike Lee's director of photography through his miracle Mm -hmm. run in the early 90s. And then he started directing his own stuff. And he's like, I like trashy genre movies right. i like schlock right. so i'm gonna make you schlock know, horror tales films. from the crypt demon knight right. and bones, bones you know and stuff like <laughs> yes. that and i mean obviously he's directed other stuff but like it's a very different genre tone on this show this show is very much like elegant swiss watch beautiful precisionist kind of science fiction and not mm-hmm. what i would immediately expect with ernest dickerson and uh yeah. he did a great job so that's awesome yeah i was not expecting that at all yeah. anyway you watch anything else yeah we did a like a homework exchange we is did that, we, is that, that a is a really good it? way yeah. yeah that's a really really good way to put it we both recommended to each other shows that we have to watch Yes. And I think they are reflective of who we are as as people. <laughs> oh, no, don't say that. <laughs> no. I mean there is kind of a there is kind of a quality to I, it made me think more about like who we are as people. <laughs> oh god. No, 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 no. But I think in a in a good way, very much so. There are things that I appreciate that you don't and there's things that you appreciate that I do not. And that's just that's because true. we're two different people. And I think that's cool. But also I think I think we both enjoyed these shows. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's more like 
the kind of entertainment that you or I might be looking for after a stressful day, you know, just wanting something to kind of have have a little bit of escapism. Right. And I feel like that <laughs> that's even that worse might, actually. That might that's say worse. more. Yeah, that's actually worse. I don't like that. Of, I don't like that okay. one. That's oh, worse. Oh no. See, I turned See, it around you on you. You really did. You're like, "Oh, Phil, you like to de-stress? Let's watch Severance." <laughs> right, exactly. It's not a good thing, man. Whereas Phil's like, "Oh yeah, Alex, th- this is this is the sort of uh entertainment that really speaks to your personality. This <laughs> dumb blunt no, forced I trauma. This show is it show is entertaining. All right, let's just go ahead God, and it's so good. we have to. Yeah. All right, so we've got to talk about we've got to talk about Reacher. Right. We got to talk about Reacher and Severance. Yes. Let's the talk... shows that we recommended to each other. Yes. So, I mean, I am thankful that you recommended Reacher because it's not a show that I would have picked. Like, I would not have picked that show to be like, mm, okay, I'm going to sit down and watch this. I mean, obviously, they had the adaptation with Tom Cruise, and I can't remember if there had ever been a previous adaptation of the Reacher character before. No, I can't remember. I, I believe the Tom Cruise was the first time they had adapted it. And that's why people were so upset. Right. Because they were like, oh, this isn't Jack Reacher. Jack right. Reacher is supposed to be physically imposing mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I remember at the time hearing that and being like, what? What is what, what is, is Jack Reacher? Controversy? What? <laughs> why does anyone give a shit? And now I know. But seeing this show, I'm like, oh, yeah, there was a basic appeal to this premise that that Tom Cruise Jack Reacher completely sidestepped. Yeah. He did the typical Tom Cruise thing, which I'm not really a fan of Tom Cruise, but like the thing that seems to happen with him is he's like, let me take a concept, a hook, some sort of intellectual property, totally hollow out all of the appeal of it and replace it with me, Tom Cruise. It's you know so strange. It, yeah, yeah I mean, just yeah, cruise it up. Right? It's so. And again, I I feel ultimately like fairly neutral about Cruise. I think there's been some work that he's been in. And I'm like, this is great. Sure, he's made good movies. Yeah, he's made yeah. plenty of good yeah. movies. He could have played the analytical, the Sherlock, the intellectual half of Jack Reacher. But he doesn't. But he doesn't. Funny yeah, exactly. Thing, he doesn't in even that do that. Movie, mm-hmm. He doesn't even have the deductive skill side nope. of it. And that's the whole exactly. Of exactly. Is that he's this brilliant detective. He has the total like Sherlock Holmes superpower of deductive reasoning. Only he's also a terrifying seven foot exactly. tall man. Yeah. Who isn't just uh, my favorite thing maybe about it is that he isn't just content to intimidate silently but has this inner pacifistic streak where he doesn't actually want to fight so he'll just intimidate and outsmart you no no he wants to fight mm-hmm. he he enjoys a scrap he enjoys you know? violence this man welcomes violence yes it's the dumbest pitch in the world it's as soon as i watched the first episode i was like oh man this is this is the cheeseburger as I described it, right? Like, this is the great, gooey, messy, delicious cheeseburger that maybe you didn't think was going to be good, but it is It is delicious. It's just better than it needs to be. Exactly. It's so funny. It, to me, also, it was such a obvious death knell for the networks. You look mm-hmm. at this show and you're like, this show could be on CBS easily. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't be as good. You just know immediately. You're like, there's a care to this. There's a selection of interesting actors to fill out all the supporting parts. They're like, oh, I'm going to get to come in and have really good scenes. And this also isn't going to take up 
so much of my time. I'm not going to have to do this show. I'm not going to be filming this thing for like nine months out of the year. Right. You know? And there's just something about it, man. It's just it just feels that little bit more crafted and obviously like it has all the uh, none of the content restrictions of of basic cable or or the networks and it uses that to its advantage well too but i don't know man i mean it's just this really like <laughs> oh, dumb it's so, show it's so but d- it's dude it's a refined dumb exactly man it's, okay all i'm gonna say is this yeah yeah i became a fan of that show when jack reacher analyzed a crime scene and used the changing orbit of the moon as part of that right. process. As soon as I saw that, I was like, all right, I'm all in. I mean, I was in before, but when he brought the moon in as a way to tell us this is how the crime happened, I just thought, okay, yeah, this is, this is, I don't d- say no more. I am on this roller coaster <laughs> and I'm not getting off until the ride is over with. <laughs> That's great. There, there's some good moments coming uh, who up. Who does too. that? Who does yeah. that? Oh man. <laughs> well, okay. So that's that's the one other thing we have to talk about. So, I, I remember um, Blank Check covered the Jack Reacher movies, and they had a really good episode where they sort of analyzed those as part of like Tom Cruise's career. And the thing they had said at the time was there is no actor who fits the description from the book. There is no seven foot tall genius who can just stare you down and is this like monstrosity of a person who's also charismatic, who can also like lead a movie or a TV show Mm -hmm. and who can come across as this brilliant detective. And they have found this guy who (laughs) is so physically imposing. He has this weird sort of charisma of almost of an 80s action star where it's absolutely like this dude is so disturbingly jacked that you're just fascinated by him. Mm-hmm. A- another character sleeps with him very early in the series and you're just like yeah she'd be like i gotta see what this is like you know yeah, <laughs> exactly this is just an experience that's out know. of out of world experience like right yeah exactly. As, i forgot it's what like it was that you skydiving text. or something <laughs> you know <laughs> i forgot what it was that you said but um yeah, he is clearly, as you put it, on a spectrum different than the rest of us. Right, right. And that's that's the thing. It's like, what, what is it, though, beyond that? Like, there's something about him that's odd. It's in his acting. It's in his performance. There's something strange. There's an element to it. And I noticed it was especially exaggerated in the first episode because he doesn't talk for, like, the first 10 minutes of the show at least he's just a silent looming presence for so long and there was something about the way that he would look at other actors the way that he would scan a scene that seemed strange it seemed almost like you say like he was on another just a different wavelength wavelength. yes exactly walking a different plane of reality yeah and my theory is this so Alan Richson has been working in Hollywood for a while. He's had a career spanning back to like the mid to early 2000s, actually. And most of what he has done in his career, most of what he has specialized in is doing motion capture and being the physical double for other actors in CGI movies. He did this in the movie um, 
gosh, what is it? I, I, I can see the movie Beowulf. right now. Thank you, Beowulf. And it's Zemeckis' version. Yes. model of Beowulf. Yes. Uh, the, the model that uh, Ray Winstone claimed <laughs> yes. looked exactly like him when he was 18. <laughs> Maybe strong flex did. strong flex yeah, exactly. by winstone on that one <laughs> i have some trouble believing I know. That. just seeing how ray winstone has always appeared <laughs> and conducted himself i'm just not buying that he used to look like jack reacher <laughs> not at all that guy looks yeah. like he is like a six pack or a 12 back in a day right yeah right and i love ray winstone not to take anything as opposed away from to having all. an 18 pack yes. like under his pectoral muscles oh my god yeah anyway so, alan richard so he he was that and then he was also he played leonardo in the michael bay teenage mutant ninja Turtles. are you movies. serious yeah and he kind of has a history of being physical model and also potentially like acting and then basically all that ever makes it to screen is like his motion capture performance but i look at jack reacher and i looked at his performance especially early on because i think he does kind of settle down and get more natural as the show goes on and i was like this kind of feels like a performance from a guy who is more used to indicating emotions and gestures in a completely cgi space and I was like, is that moving forward going to be a more and more common thing that we see actors who are essentially like refugees from motion capture coming into live action film and having to adjust their performance? Well, OK, so that makes me think about someone who I thought um, essentially has a wonderful career after starting off doing mocap. And I thought that they were going to do one and done and that was going to be it. And that was Andy Circus. And he started off as Gollum and then has worked his way up all the way through King Kong. And then he did uh, sure. recently Star Wars um, not long ago. Of course, and then, can't, can't forget the Planet of the Apes reboot. Planet of the Apes, yeah. So and then now he's Alfred. Like, okay, like this guy has made, you know, a wonderful career in beginning with mocap. And so I, I don't know. I'd be kind of curious to see how that works out. That reminds me a lot of the transition that people made or couldn't make from radio into on the big screen. Right, like right. who gets More left behind like and then who like, film silent film exactly film. yes exactly yeah, but mm-hmm. this is a reverse this is a reverse exactly <laughs> so weird yeah uh, it, like i mean it's a it's a great show i think it's got a, f- a great cast as well so you've got alan richson who i think honestly was perfectly cast as arthur curry and i believe it's smallville he was uh aquaman Oh, no Which I think makes a lot of sense, given his performance as Reacher. That was kind of his other wheelhouse, was playing small screen superheroes. Superheroes. And I think for the most part, it was like supporting roles, not like heavily speaking roles. But I mean, with this Reacher show, he's found this perfect like (laughs) mode for himself. And all of the supporting actors around him are really good. I mean, Malcolm Malcolm Goodwin, Goodwin so good. Excellent. So good. And Willa Fitzgerald. Yeah. And we'll get to her. Yeah, anyway. She's great. Yeah. But I think both of them bring so much energy. Their characters are just popping so much. They give you a lot to work with so that Reacher can kind of be stoic and set back but i mean like i said he has he has this weird charisma that i guess he's brought in from cgi world but what what are you gonna do you know it bothers me his charisma bothers me <laughs> like that's what it is like i feel like i shouldn't like it i'm like there's something about this that is wrong and i don't like it but i'm gonna keep watching and it's not yeah. like daniel craig's you know sort of like brooding james bond who's like incredibly violent 
it's something else. Like he, like Craig's bond is smooth and is able to interact with people. Alan Richardson's Reacher just he cannot like sit down and have some coffee with someone without no, it being he's like awkward. Kool Aid, yeah, man. exactly. He bursts through your wall, <laughs> exactly. and then you just have to deal with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like oh, you just made a huge mess, man. Get okay, get out of here. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, but I'm uh, I'm six episodes in. And, okay, uh, I am thoroughly enjoying it i mean any sort of libations or uh whatever you want to pair along with reacher i will say it 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 only makes it better with any of that yes and it's just it's also it's just a really simple tropey kind of a mystery where you know exactly what it is you have a basic idea of where it's going there are going to be some twists along the way Mm -hmm. but it slots into that genre sort of television so comfortably Mm -hmm. while also bringing you this unusual thrill just of this like insane looking person just physically wrecking people constantly Mm -hmm. i also think it's interesting now i just i remember now yeah the the connection between richson and one of the guest stars who is Kristen crook Oh, the connection yeah. between them, like, so they, they were, were both, both on, Smallville. on Smallville. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah, she's really good, She's too. great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great show. I, I am looking forward to watching more of Reacher. And then on the absolute <laughs> opposite end of the spectrum. Okay, okay. All right. I just, I have to, I have to talk about this, all right? Yes, yes. I was on, like, a little bit of a low after finishing Yellow Jackets. And I was like, man, like, what am I going to watch now? You know how you just get a little bit of blues because you're like, man, I just finished yeah. this series. It's really, really good. What yeah, am I going like, to watch will now? There be good will there TV ever again? be good TV yeah. again? Life yeah. might be over. And right. then Severance <laughs> comes along. And it's a television show that I feel is the companion piece to Squid Game. Oh, I would never have made that. It is the less grimy, yeah. more... Uh, sophisticate no sophisticate is the wrong word I, I, I take that back that's the wrong the wrong characterization there refined. it is the refined it's the opposite yes. of reacher yes which barely has time for production design like people's houses and offices are like barren barren everything it, about it, it, that show is so just out of the box like simple but we're not gonna thing. worry about it right where severance is so finely crafted i'm telling you about this stupid show you gotta watch and i mean it not just not Sherlock just in Holmes comparison to, to reacher but then also in comparison to the fact that squid yeah. game is a right. really brutal look at capitalism and yeah. severance is a also just equally disturbing examination of capitalism but it's just so refined and so subtle and it's going for the insidious horror of the same the same basic concept yep of, absolutely of work stealing your life away yes. and you trading your identity and your soul away for you know a modicum of productivity exactly fill your day exactly yeah yeah the severance no, I, I mean it's, it's a, just, the show is a fucking faberge egg it by is like okay let's just okay so. it is i argue it might be the strongest pilot i've seen in a very long time interesting yeah, yeah if not the best pilot that i've seen in a very long time it's so well done it's directed by ben stiller and it's just got this amazing performance by adam scott he nails Every little note that you're looking for in this character, everything from starting where he is depressed and he's crying in his car. And then once he is in his place of work, he is uh, he is now this bouncy, congenial, energetic person 
all within like very docile too he's incredible but 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 it makes sense though right because and again yeah yeah, he doesn't know anything this version of himself knows nothing about the world in general um and it's great like uh what is yeah what a pilot it uses the aesthetics i think that apple tv plus has cultivated in a really smart way it's funny because this show in an odd way, looks a lot like other Apple TV Plus shows I've watched like Ted Lasso or Mythic Quest or even The Morning Show. They all have this crispness to them. Clean. They look very clean. Every one of these shows looks very clean. Uh, The focus is always razor sharp. There are always these inserts that pop. Lots of characters sort of uh, centrally framed in very like symmetrical spaces and it, it just yeah it has this crispness to it and this show uses that to show you this incredibly just horrifying skinner box of a office building that these characters are trapped in that they have trapped themselves in yeah. to some extent yeah uh, and so it's it's very it's very striking. It's funny how it kind of is using the aesthetics of its uh, streaming service to <laughs> to differing effect, advantage. right? To differing effect too, right? Like I've right. not watched the total any... opposite of Ted Lasso, which yes. looks very similar, just a little bit mm-hmm. more colorful, but otherwise, yeah, know, the effect is quite a... different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such is such a comfort show. Whereas this show is anything but comforting, which is why I wanted to highlight that. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, this is what Phil recommends to me <laughs> to watch in my spare time. You know, it's this so is how he relaxes okay, I have... by watching Adam Scott's soul die, watching the flicker go out of his eyes. I've watched the pilot probably three times, and every line of dialogue is so important. And at one instance seems as though it is reflecting or referring to one thing but is actually talking about something else i love how when the lead actress i can't remember what do you know her name brit lower as heli it was interesting as soon as the concept of severance is described to her her immediate reaction is to say so we never leave Mm -hmm. so we never get out Mm -hmm. and it works on multiple different levels on the one level of you could immediately assume what I've done is I have trapped myself here forever because I don't know that I ever leave. Mm -hmm. I have no knowledge for sure that I'm not simply being imprisoned here and worked constantly. Yes. Yes. And then the other side of it is on a consciousness level, I never experience leaving. So I also never leave. Never leave. Exactly. Exactly. And then the third level that I feel like the show kind of moved away from, or at least has tried to throw us off the scent from right after the first episode. But the thing that I am really wondering and and really curious to see if they explore is, is the outside world, is the world beyond their workplace, this town that they live in, is that also Uh, a trap? Mm -hmm. Is that also a projection? Is that also a reality that's been manufactured for right. And there are some hints to suggest that it may be. Possibly, well. yes. Mm-hmm. Which is, again, this show reminded me of Squid Game, a less barbaric, a more cerebral version yeah. of Squid Game. And then even reminded me of The Matrix, right? Sure. Here are these people sure. who are, they have this other, this avatar, this other part of themselves that is locked away in this other experience that you cannot remember, in some ways really isn't even real, These people, I mean, like when they talk about what they're doing for a living, none of it makes any sense. 
It's yeah. just sort of like a business buzzwords. And then what they're <laughs> right. It's just like use the synergy to, you know, create the overflow through a framework. And that's what they say that they do. And then they're doing the most menial, menial task, mind numbing tasks yes. that seem like they're just designed to provoke a, 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 to push someone to a breaking point, you know, to cause them to rebel against just such arbitrary and soulless work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you, you, you'd compared it to the second book in the Southern Reach trilogy. Oh, absolutely. Too, yes. Which, I think those moments are kind of when the show is at its absolute best. The mm -hmm. really nightmarish stuff mm -hmm. that starts to creep in already. Did you watch the second episode? I did. Okay, yeah. so you know, yeah. So the scene with John Turturro and you're just like, oh, this is this is unpleasant. This is all types of unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Oof. It's so good. That's, that's such a good lane for it. You know, I, I talked about how Ben Stiller is a guy I have struggled with. I think it's just because I really don't like his on-screen persona mm -hmm. i you know when i was younger i found it really funny i i enjoyed his movies a lot i think just as i got older i i started to get the sense that he just had such contempt for the characters he was playing for the audience possibly even for himself and that the way that that ended up expressing itself through him throwing himself into these situations almost like masochistically to where like gets to be too much it's, it's just really unpleasant to watch mm. i find he so often would direct a movie that he also acted in so it's like right. the line there was always kind of blurred but he does a masterful job absolutely two episodes he directs the shit out of them they look amazing the camera movements are great i mean there's just there's a lot of really strong work coming out of it and maybe part of it too is that this show is very bleak and unnerving and intense and it's really not trying to mine comedy out of sort of the like combination of self-loathing and also the soulless trap that these characters have created for themselves you know so so maybe he's he's really able to apply himself much better in yeah. that situation but yeah it's it's a an interesting show so i was telling you what it reminds me the most of, absolutely, is the Stanley Parable, which you which never I have never game, no, right? I've never played the game. I did go and look it up after you mentioned it, though. Yeah, like basically, what it is is it's an incredibly simple looking, even at the time, like just very basic game engine of a first person POV where you are in an office and you are walking around cubicles and there is a voice in your head narrating your every action. Yet you're still controlling while you're while the narrator's going. And so the narrator will say, you know, Stanley came to two doors at the end of the hall and he walked through the left door. So then what happens is if you instead take your character and walk through the right door, then the narrator says Stanley was feeling rebellious today and didn't do what he was supposed to. And the narrator starts to talk about how Stanley is going to like have something terrible happen to him if he doesn't follow the rules and all this. <laughs> and you can just continually break the game essentially as it's set out for you and it's it's more like how how much are you going to obey how much are you going to split away and the game will constantly try to reset you so that you can't do the wrong thing wow wow it's really cool but it's that essential like idea and this is a show that's dramatizing that on a much greater level you know putting these characters yeah. in a situation where they ostensibly have no power and yet every single thing that happens to them seems to be testing their response to like resist it mm -hmm. 
I think along with that, and I'm, I'll, I'll just get like kind of philosophical here, which is the idea that if you or I were to completely reject some of the ideals that are um, that we've internalized, uh, societal ideals that we've internalized, there is a certain amount of um, how do I say this? You might appear you might appear insane if you were to do that. If there are certain societal ideals that you just totally reject, you might appear insane. And that is what I also think that this show, I think that's what's couched around this show, which is that if you decide that you are going to reject the severance program, reject the rules of the severance program, you are going to eventually look bizarre by comparison um, to your coworkers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way that society is set up, you can't function outside of certain behavioral norms so to disconnect you're right yeah you you would immediately be othering yourself Mm -hmm. in terms of your behavior in terms of everything very very quickly very quickly yeah but yeah two good shows (laughs) that are obviously on opposite ends of the spectrum here (laughs) it's wild oh man that's good stuff i'm I'm looking forward to uh watching more of them absolutely (laughs) gotta get a good balance there i agree all part of a perfectly, you know, balanced <laughs> breakfast. Yep. Some reacher and some severance. It really is. You got to have your vegetables before dessert, right? Exactly. So we put out a few, uh, I put out the question to the gram. Nice. Yeah, we got a oh, few yeah. responses here. I'll just go ahead and read them out. Let me see. So we actually had someone say that they're watching The Sopranos, which I thought was <laughs> really cool. Like someone's going back and oh, watching cool. The Sopranos. That? Checking that out um heart-headed designs oh nice that's maria yeah they are out watching the sopranos that's maria yeah that's what i thought i think they got stuck in season four it was funny because i was like oh really season four huh i was like oh yeah josh josh season four starts to slow down and he's like i really like it i really like season four and then come back and talk to him and i'm like so where are you at and he's like yeah same place haven't gotten any further in season four (laughs) yep he hit the wall Mm -hmm. yep Season four. So yeah, they're watching The Sopranos yeah. and then also the new season of Search Party, which I have not seen any of that show. I've only heard good things about it, though. Yeah, it's... I tell you what, the first season of that show is fucking awesome. Oh, man. It is such a great concept. Aaliyah Shawcott is great. Yeah. Everyone around her is fantastic in it, too. Uh, it's funny, Griffin Newman from Blank Check, he comes in and plays this real creep for just like two episodes and it's a very dramatic performance and he is fucking great on that show he's oh that's awesome good his up he has this episode where essentially he's this creep who they've invited over for dinner the, the two main characters to sort of like try and get some information out of him because they're investigating the disappearance of their friend and he seems to know something but then they realize oh but we're like stuck with this guy in our apartment now. Right. And we can't like at any point just ask him to leave. It's just like a, an incredibly uncomfortable situation. It's so Oh good. boy. That sounds like an episode of uh Curb. Yeah, yeah. It's like an episode of Curb uh, with a murder mystery potentially around the edge. Exactly. The thing about that show is that they committed to changing the genre of the show every season, which is a bold move that I respect conceptually. And I think for season two, it worked pretty well. And then they also added on the added challenge of, yeah, and the genre is going to change because we completely upend everything about the show 
in the season finale. And so each season finale oh, is of this course. insane thing that feels like, what do you do after this? They've written themselves into a corner. And pretty quickly, that's that's what happened. Season three fell off for me. Season four, I feel like, was almost universally disliked. And then the most recent season, season five, just sounds insane. And honestly, I'm probably never going to finish it. Uh, oh, but that first man. season was really oh. good. So what else yeah, do we have we here? Got. We've got, uh, let me see. So we've got Dulce Hombre. He says that he is watching Gemstones, yes. Righteous Gemstones. And then we've also got uh, B. Katie Lee, who was saying that they're watching, uh, yeah, The After Party. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if they just started or if they're kind of further into it. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Are they liking um, it? I wonder. I don't know. I don't know. It says, yeah, Sam Richardson and Ben Schwartz. What more do you want? I and I kind of agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, both of those guys are comedy heavyweights. It's a so, solid argument man. right there. I might. I know. Have to I might end out. up watching yeah. this. <laughs> it's funny yeah. so this is another apple show and i remember saying to you recently i was like you know what i think i'm just gonna watch the first episode of every oh yeah apple i was show about to ask you because about that they they haven't made that many shows and i'm like oh no no they are they're catching up <laughs> fast dude they have they like are. dozens of shows already it's insane yeah they've shows that have it's been going nuts for three seasons there's this octavia spencer series that i challenge you to find anyone who has actually watched <laughs> ever i i don't believe What's the name of it it doesn't have a name that's how obscure it is <laughs> it's just called octavia spencer <laughs> it's called octavia spencer untitled apple tv project that is literally the name no it's called uh <laughs> truth be told yeah could not be more generic of a name that show just finished its third season and i believe it's been renewed wow. for a fourth wow apple man yeah talking about this it's interesting that the the, the choices that these studios make I mean, Netflix is um, guilty of canceling all of their shows very, very quickly. Oh, get out of um, here. And then no, canceling. No, yes, no, they no, are. No, yes. No, 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 no. 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 What do you? Okay. Bull what do you about? No. Shit. That is the biggest what? bunch of bullshit. You don't think no, so. That is insane. People are so entitled, dude. That is ridiculous. Okay. N- I well, hear this okay. on, this the, is the, reason on why. the internet all the time, dude. And people they do. do not okay. know and how no, good no, they no, have no, okay, Nonsense. let me tell you something. And this is the reason why I say this. I This is my comment, yes. though, yes. which is not that Netflix cancels things too early. It's that they cancel the wrong show too early. What, like That's the really what Cowboy it is. Bebop that everyone's been crying about them canceling? What? No, 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 no. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Mindhunter? Yeah, well. Mindhunter is gone. Mindhunter is dead. Here's, here's the thing, dude. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Mindhunter is dead, but there's another show... I believe it's a reality, it's a generic reality television show with, you know, seven attractive people between the ages of 21 and 24. The kind of show that makes Phil's blood boil, especially the, when my like The collective IQ of maybe 23. And yeah, that show has three seasons. Here's the thing, man. I feel you. I, I understand your frustration. But no, you Netflix... Didn't I watched all of Mindhunter too, man. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Whatever. It's so yeah. good. But here's the thing. Netflix is pushing into the reality space in a big way. And they're finding, you know, that they're they're having a lot of engagement there. And it makes sense. But here's the other thing. Mindhunter, each season of that show cost about $200 million. And took yeah, over it. a year to film. And yeah. here's the other thing. Netflix wanted to make more Mindhunter. David Fincher. Fincher didn't, didn't, didn't yeah. He mm-hmm. was the one who yeah. said, 
if I keep making TV, I'm never going to do anything else in my life. It's going to oh, take yeah. me. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad that he went out and made Mank. Well, that's the yeah, thing. He wanted great. to go make Mank. And Netflix was like, yeah. literally, what else do you want to do? Anything else? And he's like, well, I got this script that's literally all of my daddy issues wrapped up in this thing that my father wrote, who, by the way, hates all of my movies. So I'm going to do it, Ugh. you know, just as like a tribute to him. And it's like, bro, you go to therapy, dude. Go to therapy and then make season three of Mindhunter. But no, that's what, Seriously. that's what he wanted, man. That's what he wanted. And here's the thing. You know, people have been so upset on the internet about the Cowboy Bebop fucking show getting canceled and Mindhunter and things like that. But it's like Mindhunter got two full seasons. Cowboy Bebop got a full season. On the networks, shows get canceled if they have a bad drop in the ratings after an episode. You can have, like, True. two episodes of a show, and then it gets the friggin' chop. Like, you don't even get the rest of the season. And they're producing it as it's coming out, so it's not like they have a season in backlog that they can just put up somewhere where you can watch the whole show. No, that show's never gonna be finished at all. So, I mean, yeah. it just drives yeah. me crazy when people are like, oh, things get canceled so fast now. And it's like, at least you get, like, a complete story arc for a season with the show now you know it's not like it's not like my beloved lone star that got canceled after two episodes one of the great shows of all time that was just killed in the crib dude i forgot about that one that show was so was that katie sackoff was in that no it was the guy who plays bob on mad men and he was also in Watchmen. Bob Benson. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That yes. Yes, 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 yes. Fuck. I know who you're talking Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to look him up now. Man. But it was, oh, Lone Star. it was a show that was directed by Mark Webb, who directed just one of my least favorite movies of all time, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and that kind of sank his career. But that dude had a lot of heat on him prior to that. And uh, he right. made this show with this guy, yeah, James Wolk, who has since, you know, gone on to do a lot of good work, who keeps popping up on good stuff, like the aforementioned Mad Men and Watchmen. But uh, yeah, this was a great show that should not have been on the network. And Fox completely mismanaged the ratings for it. They put it on as like a lead into American Idol or something. And uh, yeah, it just got crushed in the ratings. And they canceled it after two episodes. After two episodes? Yeah, uh. it's the episode where like Bob Benson has different, he's got like parallel lives. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I don't know what show I was thinking of that Katie. There was a Western with Katie Sackhoff in it like years oh, yeah. ago, and I'm br- I'm blinking on the name of it. Don't know uh, what that's. Longmire? It's Longmire. Yeah. Longmire. Longmire. That's ran what for it was. Like six seasons, dude. It yeah, did. Yeah. 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 I, but I don't it does know why I got like those Lone two confused. Star, I feel you. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, all. Yeah. They both sound like they're in the Taylor Sheridan universe, but I assure you that the TSU. Yes, they're in the TSU. <laughs> yeah. We talked about JGL, Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt. And his show, Mr. Corman. And you just dropping on me how they axed that show. One of the coldest cancellations in history. So insane. Because, yeah, Apple seemed to just, like, roll out the red carpet for him. They're like, we're going to give you this budget. We're going to give you, like, just let you do whatever you want. You want to have musical numbers? Fine. And he, like, wrote all of it. He directed most of it. He's, He's, like, the complete auteur of this show. And... The day they posted the last episode, they canceled it. It was fucking brutal, dude. Oh, my God. So um, he's landed on his feet. I was going to say. He is back on another television show. It's called uh, Super Pumped, and it's, it's an anthology drama. And it looks like it's a cross between 
Billions and uh, what was the name of that comedy that HBO had that was about Silicon tech Valley. bros? Silicon Valley. Yeah, yeah. It's about that's Uber. what this looks but like. It's a true story thing, so it'll just be like a mini series, I guess. A mini series, I assume. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Yeah. But it's interesting just to see that you know he's just kind of like yeah, roll out of one TV show <laughs> and yeah, back with I mean, another. Yeah, I guess respect to him that he got right back up. On oh, his absolutely. Feet, that that must have been uh, that must have stunk. That must have been hard yeah. for him. Yeah, I've only seen like some short trailers, but it looks like he's giving a good performance. I mean, the dude is always absolutely. committed. I will say that he's. I think committed. so. But yeah, I've never seen him not give 100%. Mr. Corman, though, it felt it felt like Apple had it out for that show. It felt like they were like, we were sold a false bill of goods. And now we're going to do the most brutal, like mafia style execution of this show. You know, it's like we're going to be like, yeah, buddy, we're your friend. We're your friend. Just just look over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're going to just shoot you in the back of the head while you think you're at your most comfortable. It's like a Soprano style hit. Absolutely. They took Mr. Corman and put him in the passenger seat and then just took a wire to his throat. Yeah. Yep, and just done. Yeah, cold shit. But yeah, man, that's that's TV, man. It's savage out there. So yeah, I, I tell you what, you know, you just you can't get too comfortable, man. Nope. Never turn your back on the street. That's the rules. Of Always TV. be looking over on your shoulder. That's right. <laughs> anyway, uh, we thank you all for listening. We hope you will follow, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and any other podcast app you might be using. Uh, you can send us questions at goatseasonpod at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on the Instagram at goatseasonpod. I want to thank Janice O'Leary for our artwork, Josh Sullivan for our intro music, and Battlequake for our outro. And we will see you next week for a brand new miniseries that got announced on the last Lost episode. So we're just, we're pushing that off. No, no, no. I'll probably cut something in here. Fuck. Anyway, we'll see you then. Peace. Peace. So you might be saying to yourself, actually, nothing was announced on the Lost episode. Very rudely, we did not tell you our next miniseries. down and talk to you about the work which becomes a genre itself. Shinichiro Watanabe's masterpiece, Cowboy Bebop, is our next miniseries. Now, we're going to be doing this in a slightly unusual way. My broken brain has decided that the way these episodes make the most sense organized together is to do the original DVD order of Cowboy Bebop's episodes, the original sessions. That means that next week we will be talking about episodes one through five, the first DVD of Cowboy Bebop. And we will be proceeding through the rest of the series as it was arranged in that original physical release. So yeah, stay tuned for that.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.